Hey, everybody, I'm Rob Benedict. I'm Richard Spade Jr. And we're talking about season three, episode seven, Fresh Blood. Fresh Blood. Uh, hey, before we get into it, make sure you're following the podcast on social media at SPN Then and Now on Twitter and Instagram. There's a lot of fun fan conversation about the podcast episodes after they come out, so check it out. Yeah, you know, a fan even made our beard rating chart and shared it. They, they made art of our beard rating chart. I saw that. That was good stuff. And it's awesome. It's really love it. great. Uh, so check out stuff like that. Uh, you'll have a, then you can follow along with your beard rating chart next time we rate your favorite and or least favorite episodes. That's right. Okay, here we go. Episode seven, Fresh Blood. Gordon has escaped from prison. Ah! Yeah. He tracks down Bella and bribes her to tell him where the brothers are. They are in Albany, New York, investigating vampires. Here's a quick uh, trivia question for you. Yeah. What is the capital of New York State? Albany. Damn, you're good. Yeah, that was good. Interesting. Timely. <laughs> I thought it was going to be something about vampires, but no. Uh, they capture a female vampire who says she doesn't know what's going on or how she became a vampire. Which actually, that makes her a vampirette. Ah, didn't know that. Female vampires, are the, that's what they're called. The last thing she remembers is taking what she thought was a new recreational drug. A small vampire is called a vampirini. Oh, okay. And Dean has no choice but to kill her. He does not like recreational drugs. Oh, yeah. It's a say no to drugs campaign. I mean, dude, that means Dean, who's a mythical character, would shoot real Rob Benedict in the face. Yeah, no, I'd be dead. Him. I'd definitely be dead already. Because uh, you, he, Rob loves recreational drugs. Hey, who doesn't? Me. The brothers find out there is a vampire named Dixon who is slipping his blood to young women as a trendy new drug at the nightclubs. I wonder if there's somewhere there's also a dick named Vampiron. <laughs> You gotta wonder. Yeah. I mean, okay. dick by dick, I mean detective. No, you gotta wonder. You definitely have to wonder. The brothers are able to stop Dixon from dosing his next victim, but the vampire runs away. Gordon and Kubrick show up and start shooting. Dean tries to draw their fire and is pursued by Kubrick. Suddenly, Dixon reappears, knocks Gordon out, and takes him hostage. Gordon comes to, and he's in Dixon's lair. Gordon berates him, but Dixon tries to explain his point of view. Dixon gets frustrated with Gordon, and rather than feed him to the two newly chained up female vampires, he decides to expose Gordon to vampire blood, turning Gordon into what he hates second most, because he hates Sam Winchester the most. You know, I'll tell you something, if you're being held captive by a vampire, berating him seems like the wrong approach. Yeah, no. You know? I don't yeah, think I did Gordon any favors, the berating, you know? Yeah, especially when you're all chained up, you know what I mean? Yeah, man, if you're running free, berate, berate yourself silly. But if you're chained up and you're still a prisoner, I think picking a softer approach might have been more effective, but, you know. You got to think right Gordon, now. looking back at it all, from <laughs> from heaven or hell, wherever he is. Right. You got to regret that. Especially, the berating, especially. Yeah. Dean figures out it was Bella who sold them to Gordon. He calls her and threatens to kill her. Bella, feeling a little guilty, uses her talking board to contact a spirit who tells her where Gordon is. She gives the info to Dean, but Gordon is already gone. Gordon shows up at Kubrick's RV. He tells Kubrick that he's going to kill himself after he kills Sam Winchester. Kubrick feels he has to kill Gordon now. After all, he's a vampire. However, vampire Gordon is resolute to kill Sam, so he shoves his hand into Kubrick's guts, killing him. First, Dean wants to pursue Gordon on his own. However, Sam convinces him that they must stick together. Gordon lures the boys out with a captive girl he's turned into a vampire. They can't, you know, they can't resist a captive girl. No, they're they're kind of the old school heroes in that regard. Damsel in distress and all that. Yeah, the brothers get separated. Dean must use the cult to kill the vampire girl, while Sam and Gordon are in a game of cat and mouse against each other in the darkness. Gordon has the advantage with his vampire vision. Dean is able to distract Gordon and Sam gets a loop of razor wire around Gordon's neck and pulls, and it decapitates his head. 
right off. Well, of course, decapitation is losing your head. So like, he cuts his head off, his head off. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, decapitates... decapitation means to cut your head off. Okay, so you can't say he decapitates his head right off? I mean, it seems, like, was... a, seems like a, a, a hat, hat, hat on, on a decapitated hat. hat. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. I don't take it back, though. I like the way it sounds. Uh, later, it's day, and the boys work on the Impala together in a brotherly moment. Ah. Uh, yeah. Now it's time for R, R, R. That's Rob, Rob and Rich, Rich Review. Review. Um, well, I loved this episode. Dude. I really like it's, it's so good. It's back to what I love. It's I got three, three words for you. Yeah. Sterling K. K. Brown. Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Well, yeah. One of those is an initial, but yeah, it's, uh, he's great. He's, he's so, so good. Yeah, he's, he's really such good. a good nemesis because it's not <clears throat> cut and dry. I mean, he's not necessarily right. a bad guy. Like he has his reasons. He's not wrong. Sam's got a lot going on internally that are you know make him not a normal guy. Uh, and and so he knows that Sam could go pear shaped. He's trying to get out in front of it. I know that like overall people go, oh, he's a bad guy. He's trying to kill Sam Winchester. But it's again, I think it's very well written and well crafted. Uh, his storyline and his character because it isn't that cut and dry. It's just not that clear. What he yeah. is doing actually might save lives and, you know, for Sam to take a turn. Gordon Gordon thinks he's doing the right thing, the moral thing, and that gives him, yes, a, a sort of a dark quest, but uh, a, a, a genuine reason to pursue his quest, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'll go on to say that not just Sterling K. Brown, but all the all the guest actors in this episode are great, doing top notch work. The young lady the, who's trying to doesn't know she's been drugged and turned into a vampire at the great. beginning is unbelievable. That scene yeah. is so good. The actor we're going to interview him, the guy who plays Dixon, so good. Yeah, the guy who plays Kubrick, who we recognize for a lot from a lot of different things, he's great. And he's all, and he's been in the show before. He was in uh, an episode earlier. Yeah, with, yeah, with yeah, yeah. Sterling we mentioned it. We mentioned him before, but he, he's still good. And even the the girl at the end. Who, who gets turned into a vampire that's, you know, the, the damsel in distress that they go to rescue at the end. Yeah. She's, she's great. And it's, it's, it's what I love, what I'm really loving about the show. It's, it's really the, the, what I keep referring to is like the meat of what's going on, the, the conflict between the brothers and Sam is finally able to say to Dean, hey, just, I want my brother back. You know what I mean? Stop, right. stop, stop writing this off like you're going to die because, you know, because we got 12 more seasons to go. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> got a trailer with your name on it in the parking lot, brother. Yeah, I uh, mean, I, I love that scene between them, and you know, of course, the get, the end where they're working on the car. I mean, it's classic supernatural Winchester Bros. And and in terms of fight, right up there is one of the coolest fights ever. Like using the night vision on on Sam, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Sterling K. Brown's vampire uh -huh. vision. The way they shot that perspective was so well done. It was yeah. so well executed. With their bigger budget, this this whole episode could be built up to be a feature length film. This whole mm -hmm. conflict between Sterling and Sam, and and the relationship of the brothers, and how it all plays out with the vampire hunt. It really yeah. is a movie. The plot is complex and interesting. Yeah, driven right out of the gate. You're like right out of the gate. You're going full tilt. It's just a well done episode of TV. An extremely well done episode of TV, and a really high water mark in season three for me. Uh, Supernatural, hundred uh, percent. You know, yeah. this is great. Yeah, I, and and it also it weaves together a monster of the week with the the through line of the season in such a great way that you don't even realize you're looking at a monster of the week. Because I think it, also just to really hammer home that opening scene with that uh, actress, 
when they capture the vampire, the way she talks about it, the way the writer wrote it and the way she talks about it and performs it, it humanizes the vampires in such a cool way where she doesn't realize she's a vampire. She's just got this hunger and she feels lost and and you suddenly have empathy for vampires. It's so well done. She feels like she's uh, on a bad trip and she wants to come down. She keeps saying like, I just want to not feel high anymore. I want to feel sober basically. So, you know, yeah. And the whole bit when uh, Sterling K. Brown first gets uh, turned into a vampire and the, the light is really harsh on his eyes, you know? And then he hears the heartbeat and he's gripping yeah. himself. Here's one thing that I thought was interesting. Supernatural has always created their own lore. You know, they don't necessarily follow quote unquote mm-hmm. classical or classic mm-hmm. monster lore or angel mm-hmm. lore or mm-hmm. anything biblical. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that he could see his reflection only because the old adage is vampires can't see their reflection. Oh, yeah. But then he sits there looking at his own reflection in the in that... Um, Vending yeah. machine, uh huh, and which was super cool, and also a super cool way to show his teeth growing. Yeah, in the reflection. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even uh, put that together. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that uh, vampires have night vision because I, I don't think I was aware that they can uh, they can see like you uh, know. I can't remember if I thought that was a thing or not. It, it I, I remember watching the episode and going, oh, of course he can see at night. He's a vampire because they're nocturnal. Right. And I think I was just my thought was yeah, they like have a bat, like like a bat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, I think it's clear that we're going for a two full beards here two big full beards and by the way what a welcome full beard uh last week's was not a full beard right uh, almost a completely void of beard today yeah. i'm giving it stapleton during lockdown on vacation in the islands like he's taking his stapleton beard and let it grow even more stapletonly so it's a wow. it's a super stapleton i'm going you know 70s logins during Loggins and Messina era, where it just was just a beard that didn't give a damn. No, didn't care. That beard didn't didn't take no, no. go from nobody. And a, and a, and hair and a flowing hair to go with it. Man, and a, and pubes poking out the top of his jeans. Well, that was you said that, but we're not. We didn't. Okay. Never and a, and a fan blowing on him to make the hair go. Whoo. Which yeah, fan named Rob. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we have a real treat. We're going to talk to the actor who played uh, the vampire, Dixon, uh, who did an amazing job. Uh, again, amidst all these other things going on and great actors going on, this guy really stood out as well. Great character in the episode. And his name is Matthew Humphreys. He's appeared as a guest star in a number of TV series, including Billions, NCIS New Orleans, Chicago Med, Blue Bloods, Elementary, and Burn Notice. Please welcome Matthew Humphreys. Matthew, how are you, buddy? I'm great. How are you? Good. So you're we're talking to you. You're in England, correct? I am. I'm in Bristol. And what, what are you, you doing? doing in Bristol? Yeah. What am I doing in Bristol? Bristol, I was brought over here about 18 months ago, and I am starting up a new drama school. So we are 18 months in, and um, the course that I lead is a, is a focus that I was doing in New York City at Pace University. And it's essentially actor training for the camera. So it's kind of amazing reinvestigating how actor training is is done. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. That's amazing. So you were a, a professor of acting previous to this, obviously. How did you get involved in that? I started having children. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I know the drill, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I started having kids. And um, I mean, I didn't have kids, but uh, my my wife and I started having kids. Um, She did the hard work. And I was just a working actor in New York City, uh, where I had relocated to from Los Angeles and, you know, was doing the sort of taking my in my toddler to random auditions and having some casting assistant 
watch my child while I went and poured my heart out in an audition room. And that was quite the life. And then someone asked me, said, hey, you know, I remember back at Yale, you used to teach during the summer and I'm, you know, interested in starting this new program. And uh, what do you think? And so I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to, you know, get involved. And then one thing led to another and I, I, I fell in love with diving into this thing called acting in a different way and kind of inspiring young people to, uh, to maybe learn from my mistakes and do, you know, hopefully have a better chance than my training gave me. So that that's, first of all, fantastic. Uh, teaching is an honored profession and great acting teachers, man. We all remember the ones that, that mattered to yeah, us. You know what I absolutely. mean? We all, we all have that professor, that teacher that said something that did something that showed us something that, that resonated. So yeah, that's awesome. And, and a Yale, I heard the Yale, bomb drop in the middle of that so that's awesome so you're a yale drama school grad i i am i am hell yale hell yale (laughs) and so that means so early right before we started the interview for a brief second you said you you knew some of our fellow supernatural uh alums emily swallow and sebastian roche emily swallow sebastian roche emily and i graduated uh emily went to nyu and Mm -hmm. she and i were in the same graduating class and back then that was these two quote-unquote powerhouse graduate acting programs would showcase their actors at the same time. And so uh, we met through mutual friends and through showcasing together. And then uh, we shared an agent uh, for a long time. And so she is a, a friend. I haven't, you know, we, we're now sort of the uh, social media friends. But sure. she is definitely a, a, a friend, a wonderful person and um, great actress, obviously. And yeah. Sebastian and I, Sebastian and I met uh, doing a, a short film where he played George Washington and I played James Madison. And it was for the, the George Washington's home in uh, wherever that is in Virginia. Mount yeah. Vernon, Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon, yes. thank you. And so they had, um, I mean, this was quite some time ago. They had, they had like $6 million to make a 20-minute short. What? And so it was like really high, high production value. And so we made this little, like, you know, if you go there to Mount Vernon and see this, uh, this th- I think it's some of it's 3D. You see this intro video about um, George Washington and there we are. So he and I hit it off and then he moved out to Los Angeles from upstate New York and we lived right down the street from each other in Venice. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I just love the guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a, great, he's a guy. great guy. Uh, hard not to like either one of those people, Emily yeah. Swallow or Sebastian Roche. They're both great, great folks. And so what was your process taking you back a uh, good, uh, you know, almost what, 12, 13 years? What was the process of getting involved in Supernatural? Did you know, did you audition I did. Did did you know about the show at the time? Um, so I had heard about it, but it was still relatively off my sort of fan radar at the time. And yeah. um, you know, the the funny thing is, a, a week and a half before I auditioned, I went in for a um, vampire va- based show that will not be named. And uh, the feedback from the casting office was, uh, yeah. You know, he's really great, but he's not really a vampire. <laughs> so when I went in and I met Robert Ulrich, who's, you know, fabulous casting director there and yep. in L.A. And um, and then went in to meet the people over. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I met Eric in the producer session, but I met, so, you know, someone, someone 
on that um, producing side. And um, it was just, I mean, they were such good people and, and really, um, really solid. And so it, it was a fun sort of story to keep that, uh, you know, 10 days before I was not vampire material, but, you know, it only, it only took 10 days to... Uh... Yeah, you really, you really honed your chops. You found those, it. Uh, that narrow well, window. Uh, I think I speak for Rich, uh, too, when we say we loved your performance in this. It's a, it's a great episode. It's great. And we're not we're not just jerking your chain, man. Like we go we go through Rob and I've been involved in the show either directly or tangentially for this entire run. And we've started this rewatch podcast where Rob and I really haven't watched the show. So we've seen what our work and maybe a few other things. But we haven't, you know, 330 episodes. We haven't seen 330 episodes of anything. So we started at the beginning. And so now here we are in season three. And this episode comes along. This is a feature film. I mean, it, it's such a good episode of TV. I don't know if you revisited it but, but to pregame for this interview or if you just recall it, but like, dude, you're great. You're great. It, the, Sterling K. Brown is great. Like, you know, obviously Jared and Jensen bring their A-game as always. But the thing that I loved about this, and this is why that other dumb vampire show can suck it, no pun intended, is that you brought a humanity. And Sterling did the same thing when he becomes a vampire. And sort of the young lady that you drug. You, you bring this humanity yeah. to the vampire. So that we, I, I left this for two and a half seasons of TV. I've thought of vampires as monsters. After this episode of TV, I'm like, oh, they're complex beings, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like with 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 needs and desires and family, like your whole nest got killed. You've been you've lived for generations. When you show that photo of like your daughter, you're like, oh my god. Well, that was two hundred years ago. You know what I mean? Like it, it it's just a fascinating examination. It's just smart television. It's just well done. It's well written. It's well you know. You had Kim Manners, who's our, maybe one of the best TV directors to ever grace the the the, the industry. I was what gonna was say. You? It's so great. It's so well done. What was your memory of working with Kim? Oh, man. I mean, I, you know, I, admittedly, I'm, we're all older now. So it, it's a, it's a fabled memory at this point, but um, I'll never forget that, that experience. I mean, it was, first of all, I had never done a gig where, you know, they, you show up in Vancouver, as, as you guys know, and they're like, we're all on night shoots. So take a day to acclimate. And, and you show up and it's just a different feel. I don't know. I mean, there was something so electric and sort of like, you know, for, for someone just coming in as a guest star, it was very sort of unnatural in a way. And, and you just tried to ride that wave. But like every, the, the production, the set, the, from the Teamsters to the, the, the PAs to the production heads, everyone was so incredibly welcoming and, and like what a what a well-oiled machine that was um mm -hmm. to pull off what right. they pulled off and and kim at the at the head of it was just like you just kind of had or i just had that feeling like i was in good hands it didn't matter and he was so much fun he really did care but he also was there to kind of be like we can have fun i mean we're dealing in the world of vampires here there is no big choice like you can't be too big. Just go for right. it. That's incredible permission to be given on a TV set. Yeah, mm -hmm. man. Yeah. And and you know, I think whether this is your interpretation of the character based on the script, based on your experience as an actor, or based on direction from Kim, there was just a groundedness to everything. At no point, even the, if the choices were big, meaning like the world is strange, the world is unique, but it all felt true to itself. It all felt honest to itself. And that's what I think makes it, you know, you, you, you just, I say it on this podcast all the time, but every other show on TV at that point and 10 years after on that network 
was boring, sexy people standing around. And Supernatural was busy telling real stories. And it, it, it told a real story here and a, and a specific story. That's what I think was interesting. And it wasn't, it wasn't a vamp, it wasn't a vampire story. It was Dixon's story. You know what I mean? So it was so specific to that point that like when you brought emotion to it and your family had been killed, it's a gorgeous scene. Like it's, it's so, I'm so, I empathize with Dixon so much in that moment. It was just so well done. When you're, you're sitting there looking at the ripped off heads of your children, so to speak, and, and you know, yeah, a bit Manson-y, but whatever. I mean, like you believed it, <laughs> Dixon would believe it. You know, he was trying to carve out something for himself. As bizarre as it was, your intent was pure. Your methods were weird, but it just was such a good. And so how much of that? So that's a long pat on the back, but how much of that is Matthew and how much of that is Kim Manners and how much of that is Sarah Gamble, the script? Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think, look, they, they wrote the complexity in there and, and then I think I have been known to find contradiction within characters and any great character, you need to find the opposite of, of what the script is telling you to go right. both emotionally and intentionally. So, um, if you can find that duality, then you really bring, I think you don't even have to think about bringing humanity to it. It's just, that's what brings humanity to it because we're all, you know, as people, we're walking contradictions. We're, we're, we're good people capable of doing bad things. We're bad people capable of like doing amazing things. And, um, and so as soon as you start adding that, those options to an, a character, uh, it makes it hard for an audience to know, am I supposed to like this person? Am I supposed to hate this person? And, right. um, and, you know, I, and, and I put a lot of thought into it. And then, I, and then I think also, I'm just somebody that kind of, I lead my life with my heart. So that has gotten me in a lot of trouble, but it also, I think from an acting perspective, it helps out right. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Hey there, this is Richard Spate, and I hope you're enjoying this episode, but we need to pull over for a second for some messages. Thanks for listening. Now back to the episode. Do you think, Rob, do you think it's interesting story-wise that Dixon, and this is expressed in the story, both on the page and the performance, is, the, is his own executioner? You know, because he could have done something different with Gordon. Could have had Gordon mauled by his family right. and be right, right. and all that. But yeah. he gets out over his skis and gets all cocky. He's like, no, yeah. I'm going to show you what it's like to be. And then he says, so and then he says, I, I made a right. mistake. I know. That, I that's, shouldn't have that's done the that. Thing. Like, yeah. That's the thing we feel bad for you for. Yeah. Like we, Gordon, you know, Gordon is such a complex character. We've talked about Gordon on this show multiple times because Gordon's not a clear cut bad or good guy either. Like his intent to, to his sister had been a vampire. He felt like he had to kill his sister before she went rogue. And now he feels like he's got to do the same with Sam Winchester. And he blames vampires for his sister's death. Blah, blah, blah. Deep history, right? A lot of moving parts. And so... He's complex in his own bio. And then here you go, taking the thing he hates the most and making him one of those things. Yeah. And he becomes the worst version of it. It's so fascinating. And then you have to live with that idea that you did the thing that wreaked havoc in your own existence. I mean, it's just so, it's so better but it's, than it it's, it's great, to be. great, Matthew, because, you know, you, you do, you buy, you get the reason why he did it. It's almost the worst thing that Gordon could imagine as being the thing that he hates. So that's kind of what motivates your character, Matthew, to do that. And then, you know, you, then you have the, the regret. I mean, you teach acting. I mean, that's really your, 
you make all your choices are real and 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 that's the thing about it like you know rich just said you're you're they're telling real stories i mean they're real stories about vampires and supernatural things things that don't exist but as an actor you do have to bring reality to it right yeah 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 i mean it's you know i'm telling students over here all the time it's like yeah we want to be actors but uh, audience is only going to care if they feel that it's part of you that you're you're giving up something of yourself in order to fight for that that character's point of view right and and that's not about being method it's not about sacrificing it's just i th- i think that that is what will reach out through that tv screen and mm-hmm. and grab an audience is is the heart is yeah. the universal wants and needs and exactly yeah because you don't play bad. You know what I mean? Like the temptation for a lesser performer is I, I do evil things, so I'm playing evil. But evil isn't a character choice. You, you know, like that's not a that's not a three-dimensional choice. Right. So uh Dixon also there's a lot of physical stuff that is going on. You fight with Dean and get a beat down, and then you in turn give Gordon a beat down. Yeah, but you he knocks Jensen pretty good at the top. It's true. Like, no, know, no, they, they both get it, the punches you, in. Yeah. You, you, you ring you, his bell pretty good against that you throw ball. Him, you throw him into the wall. Yeah. What was the that process like? Do you remember that? I mean, did you choreograph it with Lou, Lou Bolo, who was our uh, fight coordinator? Yeah, I mean, I vaguely remember it. I What I loved was that they really welcomed me being part of that, uh, which, uh. which was, you know, as, as you know, is not the case on a lot of TV sets. They really, they won't even take a chance on, on seeing where the actor might possibly be a liability. And so, I don't know, it, it, it made me feel that much more part of this, this world and this, this sort of production in, mm. in a way that... It's collaborative. Yeah, yeah. And it's those little things that for a guest star, I think they make a difference, you know, because you're not a regular, you're not, you're not a recurring, and you're, you're just trying to feel like you can make your mark or you know you can you can sort of fit in but also like leave a leave a good uh, a good mark on on this particular episode and and that those little tiny things i think make such a big difference to an actor because we as actors are so sensitive to that kind of that environment of a set and when that mm-hmm. set is so welcoming and so trusting that that's what we that's where we work best mm-hmm. Right. That's that notoriously good at doing that. Yeah. Supernatural set. Jared and Jensen as individuals and the set as a whole, Rob mm-hmm. and I are, we're products of that too. So what was your experience first meeting Jared and Jensen? Oh, well, I mean, um, we, we had, we had a lot of fun. I, I'll never forget, you know, there's that, uh, I guess it's my last scene where I'm remorseful and they are just both of them at different times are just off camera totally mugging and making my life a living hell as I'm trying (laughs) to get through this like crazy over the top, like, you know, and I'm like, what the, what are you doing? (laughs) But they were having so much fun. And we like, it was by that point, we had built as much of a friendship as you can, or a, or a connection as you can over like a week's time. Uh, But they were just so generous. And I remember bumping into uh, Jared about a month later at what's the hotel right there on Hollywood, right next to Jimmy Kimmel. Roosevelt? The Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah. I was in there for drinks and and we bumped into each other. And, you know, I mean, 
we sat down, we had a drink together. And he's just such a, you know, such a solid guy. And they see so many people that come through that show. You know, sometimes you, you think, oh, you know, why, why the hell would you remember me? And um, I was just there for eight days or whatever it was. And but I think I think that really tells a lot the integrity of the people that are running the show. And, the you know, when you're one and two are that strong and that sort of grounded as people, um, it's the mark of a, a good company and a um, a lasting show, which this obviously was. Yeah, no, and I think it's one of the reasons too. We say that a lot. I mean, the yeah. those guys are a big reason for why it, maybe the reason why it lasted fifteen seasons. Yeah, because um, you don't you don't have the bickering, squabbling of of narcissistic guys. You have like two you know two young men who were raised well, who ended up uh, number one and number two on a show, who bring their character to the set every day not the character acting character but their humanity their human character and and it shows i say this all the time i'll say it again and i i acted on the show starting in season two and i directed the third to last episode ever <clears throat> so i was around for a long time and i never saw them walk into a set where they didn't first thing introduce themselves to a guest star yeah they'd go past the regular guys to the new face always say hey how are you welcome to the show yeah 15 years running and that's the difference right because then now you're going to get the best performance out of that person who might have one line. And if they really the liked you, if they really liked you and respected you as a good actor, they'd fart during your take. I mean, that really... Yeah. They clearly <laughs> liked you a lot because sabotage is yeah. their sign of, of, of endearment. I always told myself that, at least. Uh, <laughs> um, out of curiosity, you mentioned having kids. How old are your kids? One is 11 and one is 7. So weird question, but being there for... Because we have, Robbie and I have kids. My youngest is 11. Will your kids, after two years of England, will they have English accents? Will that affect their way of speaking? You know, it's affecting their their vocabulary. In a positive way, I would imagine. Well, no, no, it, it, it's just different. I would say it's different. I, I, I think over here, they use the word quite a lot. Mm, mm -hmm. You know, so, oh, yeah, that was quite nice. That was quite nice. And I, I had quite a good time. And mm, um, mm -hmm. And so my kids have started adopting that, but they still do it with a relatively American accent. But you know that that, that was lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find myself saying "lovely" and um, "oh, well done, well done" instead of "good job." Yes, right. uh, my my girlfriend's from the UK, and I I'm. It's hard not to adopt those things. Oh God, yeah, it's so um, proper. Yeah. Where are you from originally? <laughs> uh, I'm from North Carolina. I guess say, can I hear Southern in you? So where in North Carolina are you from? Chapel Hill. How about you? Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Chapel Hill, did you, you? but you didn't go to, you, you weren't tempted to go to UNC? No, when you grow up there, I would say for the most part, the, the first thing you want to do when you have a chance is get the hell out. Well, mm -hmm. that's, people ask about Vanderbilt a lot because that's down the street from my high school. I'm like, the last place I want to go to college was down the street from my high school. But Chapel Hill, Chapel Hill has a good uh, theater department. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's it's a great place to be from. So it's a it's a wonderful place to go back and visit and see family. But right, mm -hmm. is your wife Southern as well? No, no, she was uh, born and raised in New York City. Nice. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, I tell you, it's such a treat to have you. You're, yeah, you did. You're a fascinating guy to talk to. I love the fact that you're starting a drama school. That's amazing. We could do a whole podcast episode on that and i i love your work this is just great man it's just really really yeah. good this is this is an easy interview when somebody brings that much talent to the table yeah uh, in a, one episode of tv it's really really impressive 
And, you know, we never see Dixon die. So there, there's a world where Dixon's still out there. Maybe a season 17. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they kept, God, what, they, they kept referencing him or something because God knows SAG kept letting me know. <laughs> Good. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for, for doing this. I know it's a big time cha- change for you, and I don't know what you had going on, but thank you for pausing your life and, and coming and talking to us. Uh, we appreciate it, and our, our viewership, our listeners are going to love it. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for thanking of me, and uh, it's been a treat. Good. Likewise. And we'll Thanks, let you know Matthew. when this comes out. Good luck with your uh, teaching. Be well. This is Jared Padalecki stopping in to say hi and let you know that we've got to take a quick break. Thanks for listening. Now, back to the episode. Uh, what a great guy, uh, Matthew Humphreys. I never, I had never met him before. Uh, so intelligent, no. well-spoken. I can see him being a professor. I want to take his class. Dude, uh, he, a pleasure. what a charming man. Yeah. He, he's so good in the episode. Yeah. And then, well, that's obvious because we've all seen the episode and talked about it. But then what a, what a charming, yeah. interesting life he's led since then and what an interesting guy to have on the podcast what a and what a what a great recollection he has of the experience of even developing the character is really cool yeah and a friend of emily swallow and sebastian roche is a friend of mine indeed indeed mine as well thank you matthew for doing this show and i'm telling you i feel like we should just bring him back on someday to talk about how to teach actors yeah, acting because exactly. i mean he seems like i bet you he's phenomenal yeah being a, a yale graduate yeah a, a boy from North Carolina went on to become a Yale graduate yeah. and a teacher in England. Yeah. Well, that right there, in my book, that's a success story. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. You've heard it here. Richard Spade Jr. <laughs> has spoken. I have spoken. And now it's time for mythology. Mythology, mythology, mythology. Okay, we've covered vampires before. Yeah, How- we've done the vampire thing, man. Yeah. However, we do want to point out that mojo bags come from hoodoo. End of sentence. Hoodoo. You do? Hoodoo. Wait, hoodoo? There's a lot of low-hanging fruit here. I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to grab any of this off the tree. I do not need a bad mojo bag joke bringing me down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you know, we talked about it in our uh, our review. There are some things about supernatural vampires that might be a little different. We're not sure, but apparently supernatural vampires can, can see themselves in mirrors. And may or may not have the ability to see, like, the villain in Silence of the Lambs. Like the night vision. Yeah. Yeah, the, exactly. Like, night, night vision goggles. And they're really, really strong, too, because they can rip the heads off people, which we found oh, out. Oh, so strong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Lots of heads coming off. I'll tell you of- what, though. That's Sam Winchester. He's no vampire. That's not easy to decapitate a dude with a wire by just cross-pulling him. And he like, just- my left shoulder, I'd never be able to do that. No, he and, and I'd, I'd, uh, I'd cut my fingers on the wire. Well, he had a like a leather cloth, or he was holding it with a cloth of some kind. He did? He was? Yeah, I noticed that when he dropped it, he had something that he had used to grab the wire. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Otherwise, just, his hand would be sliced up, too. He decapitated that head right off the body. He, dec- <laughs> he lacerated that cut. Um, now it's time for Fun Facts. Fun Facts. Fun Fun Facts. Fresh Blood is the title of an Alice Cooper song from the album Dada. It was a follow-up to his album, Mama. And right before the album, Kaka. No? What? Kaka. It's poopy. Poop. All right. Originally, Gordon's 
decapitation scene was even more gruesome. Ivan Hayden and the VFX team had the real head rock while it was on the floor, but standards and practices thought that the detail made it too gruesome. I will say, I watched that scene twice because I thought it was so well done, and I thought, I'm like, holy bleep, I can't believe they got away with putting this on network TV, even as it was. It was incredibly gruesome. Him pulling that thing and the blood spurting out of Gordon's neck and mouth while he's pulling razor wire across his neck. Yeah. And then he looks down and sees the head, which was, you know, Sterling K. Brown's head. It yeah. was unbelievably gruesome, the episode. Yeah. I, I actually uh, watched it twice as well. Yeah, it was. A lot of cut off heads and... They just got away with... I mean, the violence, there's always violence supernatural. That was next level. It was incredibly well done, certainly yeah. on a character that we'd come to know and be attached to, Gordon. Yeah. Um, but man, it was just gruesome. I can't... Uh, it's funny to me that what, what Bug Sanders practices was the head slightly rocking. They weren't bothered by the razor wire slicing into the man's no. thorax right. to rip his head from his spine. Or the, or the two women uh, that were hanging that were completely oh, decapitated. And there's a shot over the gri the grizzled yes. skin. Yeah. You know, the, the camera's like, oh, here's the, in the foreground, here's chunks of meat and flesh. Yeah. As we shoot across to Dean. Ah, so well done, but so- uh, Maybe standards and practices were like taking a bite out of their sandwich and missed that shot. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not so- Guest star Mercedes McNabb also played the vampire Harmony in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Oh, oh that's cool. Okay. Composer Christopher Lennertz thought that people associated vampires with violins because of the Eastern European roots and use in classic vampire movies. So he leaned heavily on violins for the score of this episode. Oh, wow. That's, I mean, that's the kind of thing that you never, you know, you, I mean, so much thought put into that. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, after the fight with Gordon, there's a sign behind Dean that says 183 days. This may be a reference to how many days he has left to live. Ooh. Oh, wow. I like the fact that it may be. It also may not be. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Either or. Well, this is just an amazing episode of television, man. I mean, man. Uh, holy smokes. Great from stem to stern. Just a feature film crammed into 42 minutes of supernatural television. Well done, everybody involved. And, you know, again, it's leaving us on kind of a cliffhanger of like, Dean still, we still think Dean's going to die. Dean's like, I may not be around for long. So I need to teach you how to fix the car. Yeah, that's really sweet. Yeah, you know, that so was it's, really sweet. It's that's still hanging over there. You know, this is not over, guys. No, man. But it, it, and that's a, and that was a great. I know it's ominous, but also a really sweet way to really sweet to show their bond and their connection and their great affection. episode, great uh, podcast, good stuff all around. Yeah, man. Home run. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester and Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars include Sterling K. Brown, man. He's so good. Lauren Cohen, Michael Massey, Mercedes McNabb, and Matthew Humphreys, who also crushed it. Yeah. Fresh Blood was written by Sarah Gamble and directed by Kim Manners. I mean, Let's just pause one second because we never really talked about who wrote and directed this episode. Yeah. Of course it's written by Sarah Gamble, and of yeah, course it's, of course directed, it's by directed by Kim, by Kim Manners. Manners. I mean, here yeah. we are talking yeah. about it being a feature. Well, duh. Yeah. Look at the architects of this bad boy. It's yeah. just the best of the best coming out to make a great episode. Yeah. Editing and by Anthony Pinker. Music by Christopher Leonards. And executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The original broadcast of this episode featured the song Crazy Circles by Bad Company. And the episode originally aired on November 15th, 2007. Interesting piece of trivia. That's one week exactly to the day mm. from, the from the airing of the previous episode. That's right. And also seven days. Ooh. They decapitated their head right off. Right off. Hey, um, you know, I know we're about to wrap up the whole thing, but I gotta say, we had a list of songs here. One song. 
It made me think we didn't have a lot of source music in the previous two episodes. No, there hasn't been a lot of like uh, yeah. mu music cues. Not a lot of rock tracks. A lot of yeah. score. A lot of yeah. beautiful score. Well written yeah. score, but not a lot of rock tracks. It's anyway. nice. To, it's nice to be back. Yeah. This like rock and roll. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Hayda Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. Music provided by Tim Wynn. This episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and on the Twitter at SPN Then and Now. And become a member of the podcast at patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now. You know you want to. Do it. Season 26. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's not even, like, it's not, it, it's not even, there's no three in it. It's, it's not two or six. Uh, Steve, uh, our favorite producer, Steve Hine, uh, has a typo here on our notes where it says this is season 26, episode seven. <laughs> it's not even close. <laughs> but I guess if you, t oh, wait a minute, no. <laughs> Two, it, two it, six divided by two is three. That's what he was. That's, That's what equation. it is. Okay, yeah. it was a math equation. Well, Storymill Media.